Well, you're there in Proverbs chapter 5. Tonight we're going to be pretty much only in the book of Proverbs tonight. I have a couple other references in different places that we go to. But before we go through chapter 5, go back to Proverbs chapter number 2. Proverbs chapter number 2. I want to establish something about the book of Proverbs uh, before we get into it. Proverbs chapter number 2, and look down at verse number 10. Proverbs chapter 2, verse number 10, the Bible reads, When wisdom entereth into thine heart, and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul... Discretion shall preserve thee, understanding shall keep thee, to deliver thee from the way of the evil man, from the man that speaketh forward things, who leave the paths of uprightness, to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice to do evil, and delight in the forwardness of the wicked, whose ways are crooked, and they are forward in their paths, to deliver thee from the strange woman, even from the stranger which flattereth with her words, which forsaketh the God of her youth, and forgetteth the God of her the covenant of her God. So this evening, the sermon that I want to preach is basically talking about fleeing from the strange woman. You say, who is a strange woman? I'm going to get into that in the sermon and identifying that. But first I want to just establish, before we even get into identifying who the strange woman is or anything, I want to talk about the dangers and the consequences of being with a strange woman, getting involved in a situation like that. And when you see the consequences that come along with that and you see the different things that come along, you're not ever going to want to get involved in that scenario. Regardless of the pleasures that you might have for a moment, the destruction that can come from an adulterous relationship like that are devastating and they last lifelong. Some of these things never go away and you can completely destroy yourself. So go to Proverbs chapter 5 and let's look into this chapter and see what's going on. But basically the book of Proverbs is a large part of it has to do with fleeing the strange woman, avoiding the strange woman, not getting sucked into that because it's a trap. You know, a lot of people will look at, you know, these uh, mouse traps, for example, that will have the little piece of cheese on it, and the second that the mouse takes the cheese, it's killed, right? Well, people look at that and think, what a foolish mouse, what an idiot, why would it do that? Well, you know, I could say the same thing about any adulterous man, that looks at the woman and sees her there and sees her as appetizing, something that he would like to indulge in. But the thing is, what he doesn't realize is the second that he takes that, he's fallen into a trap, and sometimes it can even mean his life. So let's look in Proverbs chapter 5 and see what the Bible has to say. And we'll just go through this and read through it again. It says, My son, attend unto my wisdom, and bow thine ear to my understanding, that thou mayest regard discretion, and that thy lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of a strange woman drop as a honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil. But her end is bitter as a wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps take hold on hell. Lest thou shouldst ponder the path of life, her ways are movable that thou canst not know them. So the first thing that I want to point out is that you can't understand what the strange woman's doing. It's like when you put the frog in the pot of water and just slowly turn up the heat, you boil him alive and he doesn't realize it happens till he's dead. And the same thing goes along with the strange woman because a lot of times in these adulterous relationships, something that you have to think about when someone commits adultery or when someone gets involved in adultery is that nobody goes to the marriage altar and has it in their mind. One of these days I'm going to commit adultery against my wife. One of these days I'm going to commit adultery against my husband because that just seems like such a horrible, wicked thing to do that nobody would ever want to do that to themselves or to their spouse. Just all the wicked things that happen. You hear stories about people that commit adultery and you just think, what a horrible thing. You see the consequences and you see the devastation that comes on the family, that comes on the children. You say, why would anybody want to do that? Well, because a lot of times they get sucked into this trap. They get sucked into 
being with a woman, being around a woman, and just slowly, little by little, you get closer and closer and closer until you're all the way there, the sin's been committed, and there's a lot of negative consequences that come from that point. So the book of Proverbs is trying to teach us here not to get involved in these scenarios, stay away from these scenarios, stay far away from them, put this stuff far away from you. Verse number 7 says, Hear me now, therefore, O ye children, and depart not from the words of my mouth. Remove thy way far from her, and come not nigh the door of her house, lest thou give honor unto others, and thy years unto the cruel. Lest strangers be filled with thy wealth, and thy labors be in the house of a stranger. And thou mourn at the last, when thy flesh and thy body are consumed. So right there, at the beginning... Everything seems good. At the beginning, when you're getting in the middle of it, everything seems good. This seems fine. Nobody's ever going to find out about it. It's just between me and this woman that I'm committing adultery with. And we'll see another story just like that in chapter 7. But the thing is, these people don't realize they're falling for a trap. They're taking the bait, and they're destroying themselves. And, you know, even between the two of them, they might not have a despicable attitude of that they want to just destroy each other. But what they have in their mind is that they want the pleasures of sin for a season, but they're not thinking about what they reap when they do that. And eventually when they harvest whatever they've planted, you know, they're destroying themselves. They'll reap destruction. They will be completely destroyed. And that's the point that I want to make tonight. Because a lot of men will look and see women that are put up in their faces all the time. You know, you walk through a shopping mall, and maybe there will be some kind of uh, wicked store that's just got a half-naked woman in the front of it. You know, she looks appealing, and men will look at them. And you have to make yourself look away. But the thing is, she might look good on the outside, but inwardly, it's death, it's destruction, it's a trap. You know, just like the cheese on a mousetrap might look like something appetizing to that mouse. But the thing is, there's plenty of other cheese. And the thing is, too, if you're already married, you have no reason to look at any other woman for any reason. You have a wife. You don't have any reason to go seek out some other woman, get involved with another woman. That's the purpose of getting married. And we'll look at that later on in 1 Corinthians chapter number 7. But let's continue reading down through Proverbs chapter 5. It says, And have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to them that instructed me. I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation and assembly. Here we go. Verse number 15. Drink waters out of thine own cistern and water and running waters out of thine own well. Let thy fountains be dispersed abroad and rivers of waters in the streets. Let them be only thine own and not strangers with thee. Let thy fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Let her be as the loving hind and pleasant roe. Let her breast satisfy thee at all times. And be thou ravished always with her love. You don't need to be constantly looking out at other women or thinking about other women. Don't even let that thought come into your mind. That wicked, horrible thought to lust after some other woman and just think, what if, you know, I had something going on with her? Or what about this? I heard a stupid statement. You know, I'm sure a lot of other people have heard this before. But this idea that, you know, when you're going through the drive-thru, you order your food, but there's nothing wrong with still looking at the menu. You don't go back through the drive-thru a second time when you get married. You know, don't compare a marriage, something holy in the eyes of God, when two are joined together to one, to some cheap, trash, fast food drive-thru. All right, you know, I like McDonald's just as much as everybody. But listen, you don't get to just continue to let your eyes wander and look at other women all the time and get involved in any of these other uh, adulterous relationships that are wicked, and it's a horrible thing to do to someone that you love. I mean, could you imagine that? You know, I'm mainly talking about uh, something that's going to affect men this evening, but could you imagine just coming home and finding out that your wife committed adultery against you? 
I mean, you lose your mind, or vice versa. The wife coming home and finding out that her husband committed adultery against um, against her. It's a horrible, wicked situation, not something that anybody would want. So you know what? It would be better to just stay in the pure, sanctified relationship of marriage done in the eyes of God that's okayed by God. You know, God's given us desires in our heart, and they're normal things to have, but only to be carried out in areas where God has given us authority to carry those things out, and that's within marriage. Marriage is undefiled, but everything outside of marriage is defiled, and it's wicked, and a Christian ought not to have anything to do with that. So verse number 21, it says, For the ways of the man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he pondereth all his goings. His own iniquities shall take the wicked himself, and he shall be holden with the cords of sins. He shall die without instruction, and in the greatness of his folly he shall go astray. So adultery is a horrible, wicked thing. It's a bad thing. And a strange woman getting somebody in there to commit adultery with them is also a horrible, wicked, and really bad thing. But one thing that I want to point out to you, go over to Proverbs chapter 7. We're going to look at that story there. Is that if you're familiar with the book of Proverbs... You know, it's a great book to read. I love the fact that the book of Proverbs has 31 chapters in it, and that a lot of times the month will have 31 days in it. So you could start out every morning, along with your other Bible reading, just reading the proverb of the day and taking in that knowledge and taking in that understanding and seeing what they have for you there. Because the book of Proverbs is just full of knowledge. It's full of wisdom. And there's a lot more to it than the strange woman. But if you'll notice in the book of Proverbs, a lot of times... It's just every single verse is basically a completely different subject and a new thing. But what we're going through tonight is we're actually reading through the books of Proverbs and going through entire chapters, and it's one constant thought in one story. And we're going to go over to Proverbs chapter 7, and we're basically going to read a very similar parallel passage that might even go a little bit in depth for us in Proverbs chapter 7. But the thing is, it's a parallel passage, it's a different story. You know what that tells me? God really wants us to take it seriously to avoid these things and stay away from them. Not something to get involved with, not to get involved with a strange woman. Stay with your own wife. Don't get involved in any of these other things. It's a horrible, wicked thing that will destroy you. It will destroy you. Do not be deceived. You're not different than anybody else that's went through life 2,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago, 6,000 years ago. They committed adultery and faced horrible negative consequences for doing so. The Bible remains true. God's word remains true. And the consequences that God has just instructed this earth to carry out, even if our nation doesn't look at adultery as bad and wicked as it is, God can do a lot more damage to me than our nation can do. I fear God more about committing adultery or doing something wicked like that than I fear some kind of punishment from the government. Now, I think it would help if the government carried out their job and did the reasonable things for adultery that are written in the Bible. But at the same time, we should fear God. It shouldn't matter what the nation does. It shouldn't matter if the government won't put you to death for it. You ought to worry about what God will do. And in some cases, it might almost be better for you to be put to death because of the consequences that you're going to face after you commit adultery in this life today. Proverbs chapter 7, look what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 7. It says, My son, keep my words and lay up my commandments with thee. Keep my commandments and live, and my law is the people of thine eye. Bind them upon thy fingers, write them upon the table of thine heart, say unto wisdom, Thou art my sister, and call understanding thy kinswoman, that they might keep thee from the strange woman, from the stranger which flattereth with her words. And let me just make this point really quick. The beginning of Proverbs chapter 5, it's telling you over and over again, attend unto wisdom, attend unto wisdom, don't forget. The beginning of Proverbs chapter 7. Attend unto wisdom. Attend unto wisdom. You know what that means? It's not wise. Someone that commits adultery and gets taken in this trap is a foolish person. They're a fool. It's a horrible thing to do, 
because of how foolish it is. You know, I don't think adultery is a problem with anybody in this room. But the thing is, because we're wise people, because we go to church, because we read the Bible, we know what the Bible says about it, we can think of instances in our lives, whether it's something that we might have all seen or something that we've seen just in our own lives, of a case of adultery and the damage that it does. And it's not something that anybody who looks at it with that mindset would want to take part in. Not something that anybody would want to be involved in in any way, shape, or form. But the problem is the foolish person who just whatever's before them, they just want to indulge in. They want to take it all. They want to be involved. But the thing is, you can't look at anything in this life with the attitude of only thinking about right now, that moment. You have to think about what's going on in the future. Say that I got a job. You know, I'm just starting this drone business up. You didn't know. Say that I got a job, and they said they were going to pay me $10,000 for one job. Okay. But in order to get that job, I had to quit my job. All right, at Walmart. I have a good job and I'm happy there. I make enough money to provide for my family, but then I take that one time payment of $10,000. That's more than I make, all right, in a month, okay? So I could say, great, $10,000, I'm good, I'll take that job. And I quit my job. Well, what about when all that money just runs out, okay, and I don't have that work anymore? A foolish person would take an opportunity like that and say, great, I don't have to work in the distribution center anymore. I can work on my own schedule. I have this new business. And they would take that opportunity the same way that an adulterous, foolish person would think about, great, I could be with this woman, you know, or I could do, get involved with this thing, or I could drink this alcohol. But they think nothing about what comes after that and what the consequences are. It's a horrible, horrible thing. Attend unto wisdom always. The Bible, especially the book of Proverbs and the passages we'll be looking at tonight, is completely full of it. So Proverbs chapter 7, look down in verse number 6. We'll continue reading. It says, For at the window of my house... I looked through my casement and beheld among the simple ones. I discerned among the youths a young man void of understanding passing through the street near her corner, and he went the way into her house. In the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night, and behold, there met him a woman with the attire of a harlot and subtle of heart. She is loud and stubborn, and her feet not abide in her house. Now she is without now in the streets, and lieth in wait at every corner. So she caught him and kissed him with an impudent face, said unto him, I have peace offerings with me. This day have I paid my vows. Therefore came I forth to meet thee, diligently to seek thy face. I have found thee. I have decked my bed with coverings of tapestry, with carved works, with fine linen of Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon, Come, let us take our fill of love until the morning. Let us solace ourselves with loves. For the good man is not at home. He has gone a long journey. He hath taken a bag of money with him and will come home at the day appointed. So here's the thing. All we see her persuasion doing at first is basically talking about the golden opportunity. You know, you can come in. I've got all these things prepared. It can be a great time. But then she goes on to say in verse number 19, the good man's not at home. He has gone a long journey. He has taken a bag of money with him and will come home at the day appointed. You know what that tells me? They're well aware that what they're doing is wicked and a problem. They're not doing this out of ignorance. And you know what? People who commit adultery do not do it out of ignorance. They don't just, oh, I didn't know that was wrong. You know, there are some things that people might do just because we live in a wicked, sinful world that they just might be unaware that that's wrong. Or they just, oh, I didn't realize that that was something that was wrong you know, I, that's just how I grew up. That's the things that I saw. 
But adultery is not something that anybody thinks is a reasonable thing to do. It's not a necessary thing to do. It's literally just indulging in your own personal lust. It's horrible, right? So these people, even people that are about to commit adultery, okay, they still are admitting this is wrong. The only reason we can do this is because I'm assuming it's either her husband or her father is away. He's not going to be involved in that. But verse number 21, it says, With her much fair speech she caused him to yield. With the flattering of her lips she forced him. He goeth after her straightway, as an ox goeth to the slaughter, or as a fool to the correction of the stocks, till a dart strike through his liver, as a bird hasteth to the snare, and knoweth not that it is for his life. So this guy right here, he thinks, great, one night stand or whatever he's going to get involved in. But the thing is, it's wicked, and you cannot flee from these kind of things. You can't just, under the guise of everything, commit adultery. You might be able to get away with it one time, but you're not going to get away with it any time in the eyes of God. He will find out. He will expose that. And you might think you're free and clear, and you might think that you have the ability to do these things, but God will reveal all sin. At any point in time, you can't get involved, in, especially in a wicked sin like adultery with the, the strange woman and everything there, and expect that somehow you're going to be able to get away from this. Now, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. As you're turning there, I'll read to you Proverbs chapter 22, verse 14. It says, The mouth of strange woman is a deep pit. He that is abhorred of the Lord shall fall therein. It's not something that anybody needs to be involved in. Not something that we need to desire to be involved in at all. It's a horrible, wicked thing that will destroy you. Now, what I want to talk about there, though, is we'll look at a situation like that. And we, in hindsight, can look and we can see that, oh, you know, there are all these things going on. You know, obviously, what an idiot. You know, he got tricked. He's going like an ox to the slaughter, like a bird to the snare. And, you know, but he doesn't know it's for his life, but... We know that we would never do that. And, you know, anybody, I guarantee you, every single person in this room would say, I will never commit adultery. And I guarantee you, every single person, well, maybe not even today because our world's getting really wicked, but most people would probably just have it in their minds, I'll never commit adultery. But you know what? A lot of people do commit adultery. Okay? And the reason they do that, I believe, is because one thing that, you know, this is even considered politically incorrect in our society is to set up boundaries between men and women. You know, I believe that it's very important to have boundaries between men and women. I don't have a problem with women, but let me say this. I have no desire to have a close relationship with any woman in this church except for my wife. Honestly, I'll be nice to you. I'll talk to you in a large group of people. But if you're not my wife, I don't care to ride in a car alone with you. I don't care to have a private message with you and talk in a private message. I don't have any desire to be in a room alone with you. You know, if you're not my wife, and I don't have a desire to have any kind of close relationship with you whatsoever. You know, if we're going to be friends, it's because I'm friends with your husband, you know, not because I have a desire to be friends with you. And that's something that I think is a wise thing to set up. Look what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, verse number 18. It says, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Keep on going. This thought's continued in chapter 7. It says, Now concerning the things whereof ye wrote unto me, 
it is good for a man not to touch a woman. So we don't need to have any kind of close relationship with women. We don't even need to touch women, the Bible says. And I don't even think there's any reading into that of like, well, what does it really mean by touch women? Why don't you just draw the line and say it's not good to touch women? You know, it's not good to have any kind of affection. You know, I don't think a handshake is a problem with a woman, but I really don't care to be hugging a woman. I don't care to be, you know, like I said earlier, in a car alone with a woman. The only relationship I care to have with a woman is my wife. And I'm satisfied with that. It's not necessary to have anything else like that. You know, it's not necessary to have private messages, not necessary to have anything like that. But Mike Pence, literally, that guy a couple years ago, he came out and said the same thing that I just said there about setting up boundaries and everything like that. And, you know, most of the time he's just kind of like a puppeteer for Trump and, you know, whoever's puppeting Trump. But, you know, he's just always saying to me, the one time he goes out on his own and just says, you know, I don't meet in rooms alone with other women. Everybody just loses their mind on it about how that's so bad, you're, you're discriminating people, you're treating people bad. It's like, well, here's my question. Why does any woman care to be in a room alone with Mike Pence in the first place? You know, why would, why would anybody that have a problem with what I just said that I don't need to be in a room alone with another woman? I think that's a pretty reasonable thing. And it's crazy to me that our society thinks that that's like some far outlandish, wicked thing to say. That just shows you how far and outlandish and wicked our society is. The things that they'll argue about, the things that they'll desire, the things that they'll want to say, I think it's horrible. And, you know, really, I don't think it's anything that we should be involved in. I think we should set boundaries up in our lives. We need to be able to defend ourselves against these things. We need to not get involved in these things. But here's the thing about when you set up boundaries is that they're there to remove the temptations away from you. All right. Now go back to Proverbs chapter number 23, Proverbs chapter 23, because you can set up boundaries in your life and you can have boundaries and you can say, these are great boundaries to be set up. You know, it's a good thing not to be in a relationship with a woman. It's not good to be, you know, close with a woman. But I want to show you something else that you need to take into consideration about people that commit adultery. Because even with the boundaries that are set up, even with the different things that come up, you set up a boundary, you do everything like that, people that have boundaries like this can still commit adultery. All right? And the thing is, either you mentally, you just take those boundaries down and say, well, maybe it's not that big of a deal to be in a room alone with a woman. Maybe it's not that big of a deal to be in a private message alone with a woman, constantly talking to her. Maybe it's not that big of a deal to build a close relationship with a woman. And at that point, you're just a complete fool to think something like that. But so even if you establish something like that, either number one, you can mentally take those, uh, those barriers down, those barricades down. Or number two, you can think about this little thing called alcohol, that any barrier you've set up, anything in your life, the second you take a drink of alcohol and you're under the influence of that or any kind of drug, all barriers, all things you've placed in your life to keep you out of temptations completely are taken down in a moment. Without any discretion at all, and you say, well, I think people still have control under alcohol. Well, look at verse number 27 in the book of Proverbs, chapter number 23. Another story right here. It says, for a whore is a deep dish, and a strange woman is a narrow pit. She also lieth in wait for a prey, and increaseth the transgressors among men. Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contentions? Who hath battling? Who hath wounds without cause? Who hath redness of eyes? That they tarry long at the wine, 
They that go to seek mixed wine, look thou not upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth his color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. At the last it biteth like a serpent, and it stingeth like an adder. Thine eyes shall behold strange woman, and thy heart shall utter perverse things. Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or as he that lieth upon the top of the mast. They have stricken me, shalt thou say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. When shall I awake? I will yet seek it again. So here's the thing. In the book of Proverbs, it's just going through, and it's constantly, you start out, it's establishing what it is. It's saying, this is a book to give you wisdom. And then it just starts pouring out wisdom, and it's completely full of it. But at the beginning, it's establishing, stay away from the strange woman. Stay away from the strange woman. Nothing good comes there. And so you have that set up, and you have that in your mind, but after you've established, stay away from the strange woman, now you need to establish these barriers that you've set up. Don't think that they're just indestructible. They can be taken down in a moment. Why or how? It says, look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth its color in its cup, when it moveth itself aright. Why? Because at the last it biteth like a serpent and sing it like a natter. At the last. We saw that phrase earlier, I think in chapter number seven. I'm not 100% sure though, but at the last. Because at the beginning, it doesn't seem that bad. It doesn't seem that bad to take a drink of alcohol. It doesn't seem that bad to have a close relationship with a woman. But everybody that sees the finished product would say, that's bad. I don't want to have anything to do with that. Everybody that sees the adulterous relationship, that sees the lives destroyed, that sees everything going on there, would not want to have anything to do with that. And let me tell you something else that people wouldn't have to do with this. And I don't have a specific verse on this. I didn't put one down in my notes, but how about pornography? You know, that's something that people get into. And does anybody really need me to stand up and say pornography is wrong, pornography is wicked? Everybody knows that. But why is it that people watch that stuff? Why is the people get involved in it? Why does anybody pull that trash up on their phone? You know what? Because it's wicked. And let me tell you something else. There's a lot of things out there that you have to pay for, you know, products you get. I mean, you can't get anything for free. You know what you can get for free? Pornography. You know why? You're the product. You're the one that they want to get in your head and put that trash in your head. And you know what? Pornography. You might not go commit adultery with a woman, but you will watch pornography and get that trash engulfed in your mind. And that can destroy your family just as bad as actually going out and committing the real act itself. And pornography, you know, it's horrible. You are the product in that stuff. You know, I, I was looking this up one time. I watched this video and it was going through... It was just a YouTube channel, and it had um, most visited websites, you know, just top 10 in the world, you know, and it's going through the years. So it starts out right when, you know, everybody starts getting online access, and, you know, you're just going through all the different websites. You see MySpace pop up there, and it's like no one gets on that anymore, you know, and you see all these different websites. So now you've got Google, Facebook, YouTube. And, you know, I don't know the names of them, but number 9 and 10, they just had blurred out the pornographic websites, basically. Number 9 and 10, for the whole world, billions of people using the Internet every day, and the number 9 and 10 websites are pornographic, wicked websites, that stuff's horrible. And you know the thing is, the reason they're going after that is because it's advertised all over the place. You know, they don't advertise the specific pornographic websites on billboards. They don't put those up there and say, hey, come to this website. But the thing is, they will put a very, you know, underdressed woman on a billboard to get your mind in that kind of mindset to, 
to filter into your mind to get you involved in that stuff. There's no reason to get graphic when talking about this stuff, but just establish the fact it's wicked and Christians need to have nothing to do with it. And it's unfortunate. I didn't go and get the statistics, but when you look up the statistics of just the amount of people that have seen this stuff in their lifetime or that would consider themselves currently addicted, it's sad. You know, but the thing is, a lot of people, before they get saved, they'll get involved in this stuff, and it just sticks with them. The flesh sticks with them. And it, 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 you get addicted to it, and it sticks into your mind. And it is a horrible, horrible thing to get involved with. That stuff messes with your mind. It messes with your family. It's not something anybody would get into. Pornography, I put in the same category as adultery in, the, in, the, in terms of the damage that it does to your family. In terms of everything that you see there, it's the same thing as the mousetrap, you know, it's free, it looks appetizing, and even that, you know, that's even easier to get away with than committing adultery in terms of just no one will ever know. You know what? God knows. And you ought to fear God, and you ought to put that stuff far away from you. And if it's really a problem, you know, confess your faults to one another. Get some help on that thing. They have plenty of softwares. I'm sure they're funded by the same companies that are putting the stuff out there. Just, you know, get you on a little cycle. Just continue filtering them in money. But, you know, it's a wicked thing. It's not something anybody should be involved with. And it's really not even something I like to bring up because you don't want to even put that thought into someone's mind, just the idea that it's even out there because you don't want people to go into it. But it's something that needs to be called out. It's something that needs to be talked about. So go to Genesis chapter 19, and we'll see another story with this alcohol. You know, a lot of times we think about Genesis 19, and we think about the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, and that's, that's a great thing to talk about, and that is the main part of Genesis 19. But there's a second part to that story that we see what happens after Genesis chapter 19 and the destruction of those cities. While you're turning there, I'll read you Proverbs chapter 20 and verse number 1. It says, Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Anybody deceived by wine? You know, these Christians out there that will fight and say, we should all be allowed to drink wine. The Bible only says that drunkenness is a sin, not that actually drinking alcohol is a sin. You're a complete fool if you even think that way. Why would you even want to take a drink of something that will get you involved in beholding strange women, that will get you involved in all the wickedness that the Bible talks about that comes in with drunkenness? Why would you even want to get involved in something that if you drink a little bit too much of it could get you addicted to alcohol and then get you involved in a sin that's worthy of you being thrown out of church in 1 Corinthians chapter number 5 where it says the drunkenness, drunkards need to be cast out of the congregation. That's not something anybody needs to be involved in. Alcohol, drunkenness, nothing. That stuff is wicked. It needs to be far from the Christian home. And you say, well, it's not that bad. Well, look at Genesis chapter number 19. Genesis chapter number 19 and verse number 30 it says, a lot went up out of Zoar and dwelt in the mountain and his two daughters with him, for he feared to dwell in Zoar and he dwelt in a cave, he and his two daughters. And the firstborn said unto the younger, our father is old and there is not a man in the earth to come in unto us after the manner of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine and we will lie with him that we may preserve seed of our father. And they made their father to drink wine that night. And the firstborn went in and lay with her father, and he perceived not when she lay down, nor when she arose. And it came to pass on the morrow that the firstborn said unto the younger, Behold, I lay yesternight with my father. Let us make him drink wine this night also, and go thou in, and lie with him, that we may preserve seed of our father. 
And they made their father drink wine that night also. And the younger arose and lay with him. And he perceived not when she lay down, nor when she arose. Thus were both the daughters of Lot with child by their father. That is one of the worst portions of scripture in terms of just a horrible event taking place. I put that in the same category of the story of Tamar and everything that went down with her over in some of the different historical books of the Bible. That is a horrible, horrible story. And you say alcohol is not that bad. Well, alcohol is literally the only other factor in this situation that caused something like that to take place. And I don't care how wicked and messed up you are. And Lot was saved, by the way. Lot was called a righteous man in the New Testament. I don't care how wicked and messed up you are. No father would desire to have his own daughter. Okay, but you know all it took for Lot to have not one but two of his own daughters at two different occasions? Wine. Alcohol. All it did was just break down barriers that probably weren't even there because that's not something you need to have barriers for. But alcohol is so horrible, it's so bad, you can set up barriers, you can recognize the the horrible things that come with a strange woman, you can try to stay away from those things. When you get involved in that and you drink that trash, anything can happen. You know, who would get into a car and drive drunk and kill somebody? Well, anybody that would get into a car and drive drunk is under the influence of it already. You know, but you know what? Those people, they need to be charged with a premeditated death. They should know, do not get into the car when you're buzzed. You know, the amount of people killed by drunk drivers every year, I personally know people that have been killed by drunk drivers, that have had children killed by drunk drivers. I know people that have been, you know, killed under the influence of drugs, driving under the influence of marijuana or whatever, and they died. You know, this stuff will kill you. People have this stupid idea today. We were talking about this, uh, I think it was last week on Sunday, about just the drug culture that we have in this country and all the drugs. And these stupid education systems that we put in the public school to tell you about drugs, when you're talking to a room full of kids that half of them are already smoking weed themselves, and then you get someone come up at the front and say, well, you can't smoke weed because what if it's laced with something and you die instantly? You know what that does to every single one of the kids in the room? They laugh at that because they've already done it themselves multiple times, and they understand that that person is, you know, talking off. So then what happens is all the kids will look at all the kids that are involved in that stuff and think, man, they must know something I don't. And, you know, I'm telling you, in my high school, my senior year of high school, I can't name to you one person in that whole entire high school that at some point did not try marijuana, at least marijuana. You know what I can also tell you? That every single one of my friends that I was friends with that was involved in that stuff, and then after I got saved, I put that stuff far away from me, every single one of them is a piece of trash today. Every single one of them. Do you have, they think they have a job? No. Do you think that they are successful and they're pursuing any kind of education? No. You know what they're doing? Lazy, bum, wicked fools spending all day playing video games You know, they're the same age as me, if not even older, playing video games, still living with their parents, still, you know, sucking all the money. You know what they're still doing? The stupid drugs. You know what? They are destroying themselves. They're setting themselves up for failure in these years of their lives where they could either be pursuing some kind of education to get them a good job in the future or just working a job now and saving money and starting a family. They're sucking down the stupid marijuana, getting involved in something else that might give them another buzz. And you know what? It has the same effects of alcohol. 
And it'll get you involved in all manner of wickedness. And the stories that I can tell you about the wicked things that I saw happen between my friends and other people. And I thank God that I never got to that point with any of that stuff. But the wicked, horrible things that happened in their lives because of the alcohol or the drugs that they were under the influence are horrible. Especially considering the age that they were and everything that went on there. That stuff needs to be pushed far away from our society. It is a huge problem in our society. You know what the government did? The government decided to get him help, and you know what? Drugs are a worse problem in America today than they ever have been before. Literally, I'm not even talking about this tonight. Everything the government touches gets 50 times worse as soon as they get involved in every single thing that they do. Go to Proverbs chapter number 31. Proverbs chapter number 31. So we see all these wicked things. We see horrible things about the strange woman. We see about none of these things we want to get involved with. None of these things are anything that we should desire. And the whole book of Proverbs, there's a lot of main things that are there. There's a lot of just general wisdom, especially when you're reading through those middle chapters. Just every verse is a new thing, a new piece of wisdom that you really can just dig into and hang on and really think about that proverb and what it's saying all throughout the day. And you've also got a couple of those stories like we read earlier that's talking about stay away from the strange woman, stay away from the strange woman, stay away from alcohol, stay away from these things. But then to close out, you've got the whole book that's just telling you, stay away from this, stay away from this, stay away from this. And then we come to Proverbs chapter number 31, and this is saying, now that I've told you all these things to stay away from, this is the thing that you need to find in Proverbs chapter number 31. So look at Proverbs chapter number 31. It says in verse number 1, The words of King Lemuel, the prophecy that his mother taught him, What, my son, and what, the son of my womb, and what, the son of my vows, Give not thy strength unto women, nor thy ways unto that which destroyeth kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the judgment of the afflicted. Give strong drink to him un, unto him that is ready to perish, and wine unto those that be of heavy hearts. Let him drink and forget his poverty, and remember his misery no more. Open thy mouth for the dumb, and the cause of all such as that are appointed to destruction. Open thy mouth and judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and needy. So right here at the beginning, you know, we're just bringing it up again. Remove the strong drink far away from you. Remove the alcohol far away from you. Why? In this case, it's saying so that they don't forget the law, that they don't pervert judgment. Because imagine you have a judge. You know, and I wonder some of these Supreme Court justices that ruled that, you know, churches are supposed to comply and that they're actually breaking the law according to the First Amendment. You know, the Supreme Court just ruled that, you know, California was right to shut churches down and churches shouldn't have opened up with that. They have authority to that. I wonder how many of those drunks came uh, – drunks. Yeah, drunks. How many of those Supreme Court justices came up to that platform drunk when they voted on that thing? Because the First Amendment, whichever they were comparing against, is not that hard to understand. You know, So we see – imagine a society where every time you have any kind of conflict, anything you have, you bring it forward to the judge, and you know the law yourself, and you know, you know the horrible things that are going on. And then you're waiting for that judge to basically side with the law and side with you, and then the judge is just – off on some other planet, you know, under the influence of alcohol or drunkenness or drugs, and just sides with whatever the case is, you know, let me introduce you to the United States of America and what we've seen in the Supreme Court in the past couple of weeks and, you know, really years. It's just horrible and just a disaster. 
But so, you know, again, stay away from alcohol. Stay away from that stuff. It's not something anybody needs to get involved in. It's not something that you need to even have in your house. You know, I know people like to use alcohol for cooking. I don't see the appetizing part of that, you know, first of all. But second of all, it's not even good to just have that stuff in your house for the, just the temptation's sake. You can say, oh, well, I just use it for cooking. Yeah, but it's in your cabinet. And, you know, what if one night you start to get a little bit depressed and down? And then your cooking supplies turn into your drinking supplies and you get yourself drunk and get into something else. I, I just don't think it's a wise thing you can have around. I don't think it's something we even need to look at as Christians. But so in verse number 10, we get into the whole book of Proverbs. Stay away from this. Stay away from this. Don't talk about this. Don't talk about that. Be wise. Follow wisdom. And then finally, in chapter number 31, in verse number 10, it starts to describe what you should desire, what you should want in a woman, specifically in a woman. It says, who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant ships. She bringeth her food from afar. She riseth also while it is yet night and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She considereth a field and buyeth it. With the fruit of her hands she planteth a vineyard. She girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth out, not out by night. She layeth her hands to the spindle, and her hands to hold the distaff. She stretcheth out her hand to the poor. Yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for her, all her household are clothed in scarlet. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. She maketh fine linen and selleth it, and delivereth girls unto the merchant. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in the time to come. She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children arise up, and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. Now, let me just say something about Proverbs chapter 31. That is the exact opposite of what the mainstream media and Hollywood is pushing out that women need to try to make themselves out to be today. You know, men, we think about, you know, we want to be hardworking people, and we want to go out and work a job, you know, maybe a physical job, or maybe a job where we're, you know, I don't know, in charge of something and working with people. But, you know, Hollywood is pushing that, you know, we need to be skinny jean, fag-looking idiots, you know, and get involved in all these things. Well, what do women need to be doing, according to Hollywood? Shave your head, go scream like a, you know, I don't even know what you scream like. These people are unlike any creature I've ever seen in my life that are out in these protests, but scream like a fool in the streets, you know, fly the pride flag, dress like a whore, you know, everything you see mainstream media pushing today is the opposite of Proverbs chapter number 31. And you know what? Let me just say this. That's not a mistake. You know, it's not a mistake that everything the government touches, it gets messed up. It's not a mistake that everything the media gets involved with gets twisted and lied about. They want to gender bend. They want to twist us up. They want to make the men look feminine. They want to make the women look masculine, dividing this. And you know what? We need to stay far away from that as Christians. You know, I hate it 
in the distribution center. And a little bit of this is part of the fact that I'm in a freezer and everybody kind of looks the same because they're all wearing these big freezer clothes. But there was this freak that I couldn't even tell for weeks whether it was a man or a woman. You know, and I just found out recently that it's a woman and, and you know, surprisingly tatted up all over the place, short haircut when she takes the hat off. And, you know, I don't even have to ask. That is a fag. You know, and I'm sick of it. You know, I think to myself, I literally work in negative 10, negative 20 degrees all day long. You know, I should think to myself that there's not going to be any homos there. But still, they find a way to make themselves into there. They find a way into the freezer, find a way to vex my soul when I'm already throwing 50-pound cases all day. And you know what? It gets frustrating after a while. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of seeing these people in there. I'm sick of dealing with it. I'm sick of our country allowing this trash to go on. You know, but so that is what Hollywood wants to push across. That's what the media wants to push across. They want to make women think that they need to shave their heads, have these short, you know, manly haircuts. Men need to grow out their hair and make these faggoty-looking man buns and get involved in all of that trash. It's wicked, folks. It's not something that men need to be a part of. It's not something women need to be a part of. We should base the way that we want to look, the way that we want to dress, off of the Bible. You say, well, God doesn't care about how we dress. You know, come as you are, these weird liberal churches. The thing is, the very hairs of our head are numbered. God does care about that stuff. God did put Deuteronomy 22.5 in the Bible. He did put these things about the Bible in terms of hair length in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. These are things that we as Christians, if we want to consider ourselves people that believe the whole Bible, the whole counsel of God, to take into consideration in our daily lives. And, you know, women... Or men, when you're looking for a wife, you have a wife, try to line yourself up to Proverbs chapter number 31. You know, I'll be honest, I already have a wife, so it's not, Proverbs 31, truthfully, is not something that I put a lot of study and time into. But if I were a woman, I can tell you, I would be studying Proverbs 31 on a regular basis to find out how to be the best woman I can. You know, me personally, I'm constantly going through the Bible you know, making sure that I'm reading verses about being a hard worker, you know, being diligent in my studies. You know, I'm looking through different epistles in the Bible, you know, uh, that might apply to me, things that I need to work on, things that I need to learn in order to, you know, make myself a better Christian, make myself a better preacher, uh, anything like that. We should always be looking into the Bible at things that we can use to better ourselves. And I think just in the category of the ladies or a single man looking for a wife to line her up to what Proverbs chapter 31 says and see that. Because let me tell you something. You know, these women that might not fall into the trap of shaving their heads and screaming like a fool in the middle of the streets, they could still be that wicked person deep down in their hearts, just hidden beneath all the beauty. And verse number 30, it says, uh, actually go to verse number 29. It says, many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Now, I've heard people before, and I think this is where you see some of the people, you know, like the, you know, the really hardcore Pentecostals or like the Amish community. They just want to like dress their women in, you know, literally like just a sheet, a bed sheet or something. You know, not ever allowed to do their hair, not ever allowed to do their makeup, not anything like that. That is not what the Bible's teaching there. The Bible's teaching their head. You, because this is written to a man, actually, who's supposed to be looking for a wife. But it's saying, hey, look, you might see that beautiful-looking woman over there, but just like the strange woman that we saw in chapters number 5 and 7, she has death dwelling inside of her. You know, all over the book of Proverbs, you see about that 
it's better to dwell in the corner of a housetop than with a brawling woman. And, you know, I really feel bad for some of these people that I've knocked on the door soul winning with. And, you know, they answer the door and they're interested in the gospel, but their wife behind just starts screaming, not interested. And I just see the look on the man's face like, I'm in jail, I'm in prison right now. You know, I feel bad for someone like that, but you know what? I wish he would have had the wisdom of Proverbs chapter 31 before he got locked into that kind of relationship. Because just because, you know, we can sit and talk about the honor of marriage and the fact that two flesh become one all we want in a good circumstance and say, don't leave the good circumstance. You know what? If you made a hasty decision and you married a bad person, I'm sorry, you're stuck in that relationship. You don't need to go commit adultery for that reason either and say that, you know, I need to divorce my spouse or I need to get away from this marriage. You are married. You are stuck in that till death do us part. There's nothing else that comes about that. So don't let that wicked thought enter your head either, that you need to have a different wife or look for a different wife. But really think about these things and really put these things into practice in your life. I'm sure that, like, I don't think that anybody has this problem. This is just a subject that I've looked a lot into, that I've studied out. Because I've seen wicked things like this happen in my life, and I've seen people just destroy themselves with adultery, destroy themselves with drunkenness. You know, the stories could go on for you know years and years and years that everybody's seen in life experiences, people committing adultery, people destroying their families, people destroying their kids. It's not something that anybody should want to have happen in their life. It's not something that anybody should desire upon another person. And I think we would all do well to put boundaries up to make ourselves separate from other individuals in the church in terms of just not having private messaging, not riding alone in a car with another woman, not doing any of these things. Set those boundaries up in your life, and please don't ever get involved in something like alcohol that can just break all those boundaries down and get you to do any manner of wickedness at all. So with that, let's go ahead and close in a word of prayer. So Father, we thank you for this day and all that you've done for us, Lord. We just thank you so much for the word that you've given us and the warnings that we have in this uh, Bible to take heed to. I pray that you would just uh, bless everybody as they go home, keep everybody safe as they're traveling, and just thank you for this opportunity to preach, Lord, and all these things I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, with that, let's